the uh, second reading we hear today from Corinthians is, as you might have recognized, the most popular, by far, reading chosen for weddings. When St. Paul says, love is patient, love is kind, it is not jealous, it is not pompous, it is not inflated, it is not rude, it does not seek its own interests, it is not quick-tempered, does not brood over injury, does not rejoice over wrongdoings, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And that is appropriately so popular because it seems like any person of goodwill would agree with this exhortation. Just speaking of of basic human qualities of love. That being said, what Paul is speaking about is not specific to couples. He is speaking to all of us in terms of how, what guides our interactions with others, what guides our speech and our discourse. The Eighth Commandment of the Decalogue tells us that Respect for the reputation of others forbids things like rash judgment, detraction, and calumny. Every single person, according to the Eighth Commandment about bearing false witness, every person has a right to the honor of a good name and reputation. And so St. Paul it seems is really just expounding on that eighth commandment. The commandment tells us what not to do, like gossip, uh, rash judgment, which is coming to a conclusion about somebody without full evidence, detraction, which is revealing another's faults to others, and calumny, which is saying false things about others all things that we might sort of encapsulate in the word gossip. So St. Paul is not just telling us what not to do, but now the positive side of this. How is this commandment fulfilled in the Christian life? And what's particularly striking at the end, he says that love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And in telling us to believe all things, he's certainly not advocating uh, being naive uh, about persons who might be intentionally deceptive by no means. But I think what he's saying is that he's reminding us that we have to have this inclination toward forgiving others, which is of course a very basic Christian precept given to us by Christ himself, but also that we have to be inclined towards seeing others in the best light and not seeing others in the worst light. And this actually connects to uh, a common philosophical principle called the principle of charity. And that says that one should interpret others, other people's statements in their best, most reasonable form not in the worst or most offensive way. Basic uh, precept of rhetoric 
and philosophy. That should be intuitive to all of us. But think about that, that we can't uh, interpret others' words in the most offensive of ways. It seems like there's one medium where that actually happens all the time, where people seem to think the Eighth Commandment can be dispensed with. And that is, of course, I'm talking about social media. And we could even say news media in general. Because social media thrives off of fear and anger and provocation and division. And the whole system is set up to interpret others' words in the worst ways. And in that way, the most provocative statement gets the most attention. A great book that I read a few years ago by Douglas Murray called The Madness of the Crowds. He speaks extensively about this phenomenon. And he says, the person who professes themselves most aggrieved gets the most attention on social media. Anyone who is unbothered is ignored. In an age of shouting for attention on social media, the mechanism rewards outrage over sanguinity. What an awesome observation by Douglas Murray. Now, how does this happen? Why does this happen? It's perhaps not intended by those who promote social media, but it should be obvious to all of us that we are wired for face-to-face -face interactions and that hiding behind the anonymity of a screen, even if it's words typed out, gives us a certain distance from the other person that uh, prevents us from guarding against these tendencies of seeing others in the worst light. When we are with someone face to face, it automatically breaks down many divisions because we see the whole person when we're dialoguing. So if I'm speaking, like right now, if I'm not speaking completely accurately, like with 100% precision in every word I say, you can hopefully read my body language and see that, okay, maybe he's not 100% correct there, but we can, you can fill in the gaps through my body language, through my presence. And that happens to us all the time. That factor is completely eliminated in social media and indeed in most public discourse that happens through media. And so I bring this to your attention, hopefully because I'm not observing anything you haven't observed before, but I think it just needs to be said and connected to the Eighth Commandment and St. Paul's exhortation. I really, really don't like drawing hard lines against things and saying things that are, sound very provocative or, or over the top. And I've been avoiding saying this for many years as I try to see this in the best of light. But I've become more and more cynical over the past few years about this, the more I read about it. And so I'm just gonna say it. Social media is bad and you should not use it for all of these reasons.
Douglas Murray continues, social media discourages interpreting another's remarks generously. It makes people double down on positions and ramp up outrage. When someone is face to face with another person, it is harder to reduce them to one thing they have said or strip them of all characteristics except one. Is that, that exactly what happens in social media? One person says one bad thing and that encapsulates the whole person. Now, Douglas Murray is not Christian. In fact, I think he's an atheist. So he's not writing this uh, in the light of Christian forgiveness or St. Paul. But we should easily be able to tie what he says to Christian forgiveness. He says we have to interpret others' remarks generously if there's any hope of getting along and healing divisions. And so all the more for us as Christians, that Christian forgiveness, this is a basic moral precept of the gospel that Jesus says our salvation is dependent on. We will not be saved if we cannot forgive others, period. And that is not dispensed with online. That precept is not dispensed with just because we're anonymous or typing something or reading or saying something about another. Now you may say, I don't engage in discourse on social media, I just use it to read what's going on. But it's still bad because just you reading the feeds is supporting the whole system. And the system is profiting off of you so long as you're reading it, even if you're not actively engaged in detraction and so forth. And this system is a primary cause of the divisions in our society. Anybody who uses it is therefore feeding the divisions in our world. Another great book that I'm actually working through right now uh, documents this very specifically. It's called The Coddling of the American Mind, written just a few years ago by Greg Lukianoff and Jonathan Haidt. And they go through very specifically uh, studies and interviews uh, with, with um, college administrators who are kind of observing the effects of this firsthand. And they very clearly observe that social media is a primary cause of the divisiveness of our society, of the tribalism that we experience, which, makes, which puts us all into different camps pitted against one another and just seeing one another in terms of which camp you belong in. And it's a direct cause of a mental health crisis right now that is causing skyrocketing depression and anxiety, especially among Generation Z. Again, I'm not endorsing 100% of what they say in these books, but I think at least 75% of it is spot on. Now you may say also an objection, but Father, uh, certain people and injustices in the world need to be publicly called out. But I would say to that, I dare you to find for me an example of one human conflict that was resolved through social media that actually got to the heart of the problem and was resolved. Now certain people 
and things and injustices and uh, people who do bad things might be called out and canceled. But on the social media world, what does that do? All that does is push this person over to the side, increase their resentment to everybody else, and then increase the resentment of everybody who grieves with that person. It's not going to the heart of any issue whatsoever. So I dare you to find me an example uh, of when that actually helped the situation, because I can point to a thousand examples where it has increased division and made it worse. And so there's no getting around the human need for face-to-face -face human dialogue. That's what we are made for, and no problem will be resolved without that. Social media might feel like it's giving a, a short-term resolution to a problem, like when someone is called out or canceled, but as I said, there is no long-term benefit from it. We see terrible long-term effects of it in very measurable ways right now. In the Catechism on the Eighth Commandment, they quote St. Thomas Aquinas, who says, men and women could not live with one another if there were not mutual confidence that they were being truthful to one another. So truthfulness and a trust in another's truthfulness and goodwill is essential for a well-functioning society. And the Eighth Commandment, again, declares that there's a natural right to the honor of one's name and reputation. And I have to say, I don't by any means disclose what is said in confession, but I can tell you, I don't think I've ever heard a single confession of somebody saying something they said wrong about somebody online. And so it makes us wonder, this medium is causing a sort of eclipse of our moral reasoning, and we're forgetting that the Christian moral life and forgiveness applies there as well. And so St. Paul's exhortation provides us with a powerful check on our perhaps natural sinful inclination toward division and tribalism. That is our tendency of seeing every human conflict as an epic battle of us versus them. Love is patient, love is kind, it is not jealous, it is not pompous, it is not inflated, it is not rude, it does not seek its own interests, it is not quick-tempered, it does not brood over injury, it does not rejoice over wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Thanks for listening to Within the Walls of St. Paul's Sunday Homilies. Please be sure to like us on Facebook and consider supporting us by visiting stpaulsharvardsquare.org. That's stpaulsharvardsquare.org. God bless and see you next time.